those of you um, who come regularly to Encounter uh, will know that uh, for this quarter, preachers have been uh, asked to sort of speak on uh, what might be considered their favourite psalm, um, which actually is a bit of a tall order. It's not preaching. I mean, they're fav- picking out what your favourite psalm is. Uh, and already this uh, month, we've heard uh, quite a few. Um, and I suppose if I was thinking about it, I thought my, my thoughts immediately went to Psalm 139, uh, and then they went to Psalm 145, uh, and then I decided on such a surprise, Psalm 23. Uh, Psalm 23. Which you could probably recite off by heart if you know your scriptures. Um, But the danger with repeating something off by heart, because it's familiar, is that it loses its meaning. And we trot out the words of the family prayer, the Lord's Prayer, so easily that we actually don't stop to recognise what we're saying when we say it. Um, I'm not saying familiarity breeds contempt, but we, um, we sometimes struggle to go back to square one and think about what we are actually saying and repeating. And it might be that uh, Psalm 23 is the best-known psalm of all the psalms, both inside and outside the church. And I remember uh, as a boy, um, brought up in a Christian environment, uh, brought up with a father who was a preacher, um, brought up to read my Bible, I could never understand why I would not want the Good Shepherd. Because in a little juvenile mind, I couldn't understand, the Lord is my shepherd, so why wouldn't I want him? I shall not want. Got it? Got it? Are you awake out there? Okay. Um, until, uh, until the truth of it uh, dawned on me. <clears throat> and in Scripture, very often, in, particularly in Old Testament Scripture, you've got this illustration of God being the shepherd of his people. But then David, the psalmist, was also a shepherd boy. And so, in writing this particular psalm, he brings out what he knows best about the activities of a flock of sheep and what they need in terms of a shepherd. So, um, I'm sorry, I just hesitate because I'm thinking we've got another shepherd here this, this evening. Um, he's, he's pretty well versed with the curiosities of sheep as well. Uh, um, and um, their strange ways, and you think, what have you done that for? Um, is that right, Rob? Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, but because David knows from experience what he's talking about, he brings out uh, some of his best life's experiences of sheep, what they're like, what they need. He knows their failings. He knows their inadequacies. He knows what they need for um, their safety. He knows what they need to prosper them uh, and to do them good. So we're going to read Psalm 23 together. 
<clears throat> is it going to be on the screen, Stuart? It is on the screen. Um, I've only got six verses in my Bible, so we're probably okay. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Got the start of verse 5? You. (laughs) You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Those first few, verse, few words of the first verse uh, are um, one of those short sentences where you can put a different emphasis on certain words. So you can say, the Lord is my shepherd. Who else would you want to be your shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And we all know what a shepherd does, his purposes. And if the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack anything. Got that? Forget, I shall not be in want, or I shall not want. Substitute, I shall not lack anything. And those words, I will lack nothing, or I will not lack anything, really underpin the whole of the psalm. It unlocks it. You may not have realised that. The first couple of statements are the heading and because of that, the rest follows on. So, I'm going to read it again to you. Stuart, drop it off the screen, will you, please? I'm going to read it again to you and I'm going to add a few words in. So, we start with, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I shall not be without his unfailing provision.
He leads me beside quiet waters. I will not be without his inner peace. He restores my soul. I shall not be without his loving care when I fall down. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I shall not lack his guidance and his direction if I seek it. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What does that tell me? It tells me that I shall not lack his presence. I will not lack support. I will not lack courage in my darkest of hours. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I shall not be without his protection and his honour. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. I shall not lack his joy, of which oil is the symbol. And I will not be without his abundant blessings. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. While ever I live, I will never stop his divine loving grace to me. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I won't lack, I won't be without a heavenly home when I've gone. Brothers and sisters, what else could you add to that? This is our all-sufficient, all-supplying God and Father who loves us individually to bits. But I will lack nothing. I will be in want for nothing when as long as I am under the guiding and the controlling influence of the shepherd. No wonder Jude 21 says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it from my courts above. That was the hymn writer. Was that a Charles Wesley, John? No, it wasn't. Was it Isaac Watts? Who was it then? All right. Oh, well, there were, there were other good hymn writers as well as the ones. Yes, yes, yes. 
Keep yourselves in the love of God. Friends, when we take matters into our own hands, when we adopt the world's standards, when we adopt the world's ways, when we adopt the world's attitudes, we will lack much. Believe me. When we choose to go our way, when we choose to do it our way, when we choose to go it alone, when we sideline God, when we manage without Him, and how how frequently do we manage without Him? Because we rely on our own common sense. And we leave God out of the equation. You cannot blame God, the shepherd, for the environment that you create for yourself. That's what the world's done. And the essence of all sin is that I do not want God's ways, I do not want God's control, I do not want his standards. But the truth is, and the wonder is, that there is only salvation through the shepherd of the sheep. No place else. And so Jesus says, John 10, 11, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Why? To ensure their salvation, to ensure their security and their safety. Because there was no other way that God could do it. But I want to focus particularly on verse 3. Verse 3 says the beginning of it. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. I wonder what you think of when you hear the word restoration. Um, Do you think of buildings, which is probably the first thing I think of? Uh, Do you think of uh, classic cars? Unlikely. Do you think of works of art? Probably not. Uh, Do you think of hair loss? Uh, Do you think of anti-wrinkling cream? Uh, Do you think of restoring an item of furniture? Maybe you might think of silver plate that becomes tarnished. The word restoration has got several meanings. It can mean to renew, it can mean to reinstate, it can mean to recover, it can mean to retrieve, it can mean to revive. And you can make some, you can restore something to better than it was before. The inference here in He Restores My Soul is to revive it. So I want to ask you tonight, and I've asked myself, I wonder how things are with you today. How are things with you today? Some of you may have come into this place today, this morning, this evening, weary, burdened, worn out. Maybe feeling battered and bruised 
just scarred by what's gone on in life. Maybe, if you're honest, you'd say, I've lost a sparkle in my life. Spiritually, I'm not where I used to be. I'm feeling dry. I'm feeling dusty. Feeling abandoned. Maybe because of anxiety. May just be because you're the sort of person who worries about everything. All these real life issues, feelings, pressures go through our minds, therefore affect our actions and our words. God just says, I want, you, I want to restore you because I'm in the business of restoration. Weary of fighting circumstances that always seem to be against you. Weary of unfulfilled promises. Weary uh, of just the general tone of life and things that throw themselves at you day by day. And if you want to be raised up tonight, let me remind you of Scripture. The bruised reed he will not break. If you've lost the joy of salvation, David had to pray, Lord, restore it to me, Psalm 51. If you're regretting years that went past and seem to have been wasted, the word of Joel is that he will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. And it's amazing how much can eat into, without us realising it, can eat into our minds and eat into our lives and eat into our souls. The resentment when people offend us that get blown out of proportion and just sit there. The anger with something that somebody said or did that just grows. The resentment of being offended by another person. Think of Elijah on Mount Carmel, that terrific situation where fire came down from a saturated sacrifice and burnt it all up and the prophets of Baal, um, I'm going to say disappeared, they did disappear, but not in a very nice way. And, and what did Elijah do? He ran off because Jezebel, Queen Jezebel, was threatening him. Oh, Lord! You think, come on, Elijah. Yeah, but you weren't there, were you? And there are situations in our lives where we say, come on, Lord, and nothing seems to happen. But what do you rely on like Elijah relied on? All that God is and God's grace and God's love and God's faithfulness and God's compassion and all those blessings that are laid out in Psalm 23 for us. But that little thing in our mind says, 
don't like it. These things eat into our, um, into our souls in all sorts of ways. Our spiritual lives become preyed on. You know, sometimes we think that trespass is deliberate. It's going onto somebody else's property. Um, but we can actually invade somebody else's space, you know. It's true of feelings, it's true of emotions, it's true of attitudes, it's true of actions. And they create bitterness, they create jealousy, they create feelings of being abused and hurt and having confidences betrayed. And we can be the, the subject of those as well as the source of them. But whether that's touched on something that is relevant for you or not, I've no idea. But I want to tell you tonight that God can restore your situation. In fact, he specialises in it. And then he wants us to do the same as well. To become shepherds. To reflect the shepherd's actions in our own behaviour and in our own relationships. Hosea 14 verse 4 says, I will heal their waywardness. In other words, I will bring them under my control. Pretty good description of sheep, I think. And he says, I will love them freely for what they are. So, let me encourage you tonight to come again to a God who specialises in restoration. Not only to the same extent, but maybe better than ever before. Because that's our God. And I wrote this down about Psalm 23. What it tells me is that in every circumstance of life, let me underline every, in every circumstance of your life, God has only got the best intentions for you. So what? Listen to this. Why? He leads me in green pastures. Green pastures. They're not brown ones. He leads me beside still waters, not turbulent ones. He revives me so I'm not parched or dried up. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Get the right, the righteousness, not the wrong ones. He doesn't lead you down the wrong path. He'll only lead you down the right path. He brings blessings for me in front of those who lack them. Verse 5. He singles me out for his attention. Goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And he follows me therefore every moment with his caring eye. We're encouraged in Scripture to cast all our care on him because he cares for us. And whatever burden you carry tonight, with all my heart I say, bring it to the Lord and leave it with him. doesn't mean to say it's going to go away instantaneously necessarily, but bring it to the Lord and allow him, with whatever damage that burden has brought, to restore your soul.